Thank you so much, John. Oh, so good being here at Happy Valley. Love this church. Uh, Jim and Becky are, ah, oh, they're, they got a busy weekend here. And I am so happy to be here. And uh, yeah, I, as, as I, I said before last time, I've known, I've known Becky since I was three years old. And uh, so we, we go back a little ways. Uh, I think, well, because Becky grew up at the Manor Evangelical Church, and I think we're there in two weeks. Uh, and uh, to go back to the church that uh, my dad pastored, oh, 50 years ago or so. And uh, anyway, it is so good to be here. Uh, and it's it's quite the deal being conference superintendent. I uh, Yes, I as the year has gone on, I have uh, leaned more and more on the retired superintendents. And... Uh, my respect level for them has, has shot through the roof, uh, wondering what in the world did I get myself into here and why did they vote me into this? But uh, anyway, we've got annual conference coming up uh, Monday, Tuesday, and uh, in the evening we're going to have, oh, you know, we don't have Jennings Lodge anymore, but uh, we're going to have kind of normal evening services uh, uh, during conference time over there at Valley View. And uh, tomorrow night, the general superintendent is preaching, and uh, Jay Forseth, uh, he's such a wonderful guy. And so Jay's preaching uh, Monday night, Tuesday night. I, I'm not having like a real long, li real live sermon, okay? I'm doing communion, uh, and we've got a, a few things going on. And Tuesday night's when we do credentialing. Credentialing's all kinds of fun. Uh, we... Uh, the scripture talks about needing more workers. You ever need that in your church where you go need more workers and what, is, what does the Bible tell us to do? Pray for that. And uh, it's not just in your church, it's in the conference. We need more pastors. Uh, and uh, so we've been able to put, bring in a few new pastors. I got a pastor today who's preaching right now and I'm hopeful that we can get this match between this pastor and this church and just, just make it happen. If it's up to me, it's like, yeah, no, you're done. And in the old days, George Millen would say, you're going there. And uh, the pastor would say, yes, sir. The church would say, okay. Uh, but now everybody has their own ideas and wants to think about it and pray about it and things like that, which are probably good too. And um, instead of just taking my word for it. Uh, but uh, so pre be praying for more workers. We've got pastors who are uh, we got getting ordained and licensed. And it's exciting just to see them move along in the process. It is it is so much fun visiting the churches. We just I don't know. There's there's churches. This is one of those churches where we just feel at home. Most, well, every church we go to, we just make ourselves at home. And uh, I mean, we go to churches, Donalyn's busy greeting people as they're coming to church. Well, welcome today. And so it's, uh, we just make ourselves at home and we're so grateful uh, to be a part of this group. Uh, I was here, let's see, Jim had me preach back in uh, the end of June. And at the end of June, uh, we were in uh, Matthew chapter 14. So I'm picking up again in our series in Matthew 14, uh, where we were at, what was that, four and a half months ago. And uh, so we're, 
we, there was, when I was here four and a half months ago, as I'm sure you all remember this life-changing message I preached, okay, it's okay, I mean, uh, but uh, I, I was in Matthew chapter 14 where Jesus feeds the 5,000, and, uh, and today we're moving on from there, and we're talking about the storms of life. Uh, there's, we got this storm that comes up, and... You ever have those things that just kind of get out of control on you? Uh, those, those just, uh, you think it's going to work out and it just doesn't, and then it just kind of snowballs on you. We've seen plenty of storms in our culture, a lot of just chaos in this dangerous world. Our, we were planning a conference trip to go to Israel uh, in April, and uh, that's in doubt right now if we're going to Israel or if we should go to Israel or if people are still wanting to go to Israel uh, because kind of it's a, it's a crazy chaotic world we live in. Uh, we've lived in this world where there's just protests over all kinds of things, you name it, Somebody's going to protest something. Uh, politics. Uh, we are a year away from this presidential election, and they're already saying the same thing they say every election, aren't they? This is the most important election of our lifetime. We hear that every single time, don't we? I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, and then life changes. Life changes on you, doesn't it? Uh, we're, oh, we've been in this year-long process of moving, and uh, so we're finally in a house up here, and it's just chaos. And we all have those life changes. The life just moves on you, and sometimes things sneak up on you. Uh, I've done kidney stones. Kidney stones, I would not recommend, okay? Just, anybody here done kidney stones? Yeah, don't do it, Okay. <laughs> They say that we shouldn't be, you know, there's, there's cruel and unusual torture. I'm telling you, that's it, okay? It's not waterboarding, it's kidney stones. Don't do that. Uh, and there's these, all these things that go on. I am, I'm, I'm enjoying this new job of being superintendent. It is a privilege and an honor uh, to do this. I can't imagine... Uh, why, why me, Lord? Why me? When, you know, when I think of superintendent, I think of George Millen. I mean, that's, that's the guy. And why, why in the world? Oh, this is a huge downgrade. And, and, the, and the new job, I'm enjoying it. But boy, there are times where it gets a bit rocky. Uh, because when there's problems, yeah, I'm the one that gets called. And into these storms of life, we tend to turn to the Lord, right? We, we know that's what we should do. When something comes up, we turn to the Lord. This is why we have prayer requests in the church. This is why churches have a prayer chain, right? You know, call this out. And Well, it used to be prayer chain, and this person calls this person. Now we just send out an email, right? Uh, but uh, we, we got those things. However, when we have a storm in life, the point is our... Are we, you know, are we having the pastor pray for us? I mean, it must be really bad if we got the pastor praying, the church praying, but are we really turning to the Lord? Sometimes. However, we need to ask, are we turning to the Lord, or are we just grasping at whatever's available? 
uh, all too often, I, I get, you know, I get people asking me to pray for them, and, but they're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're looking for anything and everything to help them out of this mess. I mean, you know, that's kind of how I am when I'm sick. When I am sick, I go to Safeway and I look at all the cold medication and I, yes, give me one of everything, okay? I don't know what I need or what will help. I'm just going to try everything. And when we hit the storms of life, okay, I'm going to try everything and plus let's get it on the prayer chain and, you know, pull out my rabbit's foot or whatever. And uh, where's my security blanket here? And we just want it over. And we do this spiritually. We're just trying anything and everything. And so when storms come into our lives, are we really turning to Jesus? And are we doing it for the right reasons? Can we really trust Jesus in the storms of life? And if so, why? We're in Matthew 14 today. Now, the Gospel of Matthew, for those of you who've been in church for a while, you, you know, the there's big parts in the Gospel of Matthew. The Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. we got the Sermon on the Mount there, and uh, that's a pretty important part of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13 is what I call the Sermon on the Boat, uh, where Jesus goes down to the Sea of Galilee. There's too many people, so he preaches from a boat, and, and he tells a bunch of parables in Matthew 13. And, and then... Uh, Jesus is rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, was arrested. He's executed by the Herods. Uh, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. He's the, he died suddenly and tragically at the hands of corrupt government officials, and Jesus needs a break. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, 31, it's, uh, then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Earlier in chapter 14, we get the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus went to go rest for a while, but all the crowds show up. And so then we have to feed them, and we have all of that going on. In the four Gospels, these four biographies of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000 is in every single one of the Gospels. The birth of Jesus is not in all four Gospels, and we make a big deal out of Christmas. The feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. That means it must be pretty important stuff. And in three of the Gospels, right after that, it is followed up by this miraculous event of Jesus and the storm in the Sea of Galilee. Sometimes TV shows, they would... Um, Remember back in the old days, these days it's more serialized, but back in the old days, they would try to hook you, and, and you're watching the show, and all of a sudden it would come on the screen, to be continued, and then you have to wait a whole week to find out what's going to happen, and is MacGyver going to get out of this, or whatever, but, uh, and so, and the whole Bible is like that, though. It, the whole Bible fits together, it's all part of this big grand story. And we're picking up in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And it starts immediately. So right after everybody gets done eating fish and chips there, we launch into the next episode. It says in Matthew 14, verse 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted 
that his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell. Uh, he went up to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Okay. So in the account, in the Gospel of John, it tells us why Jesus was in such a hurry to get the disciples into the boat there. It says in John 6, after Jesus fed everybody, they all wanted to make him king. Their motives were not spiritual. They wanted to make him king because, well, he gave them food. And he's just providing fish and chips for everybody. And they want to make him king so they can keep getting free stuff. Does this sound at all like the world we live in here, okay? And the disciples, they still didn't fully grasp that Jesus wasn't going to be that kind of king. And the disciples are still arguing over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom when Jesus kicks out the Romans and takes control over it and sets up his new government. Jesus faced this temptation in the desert to be a political leader, and Jesus didn't give in to that temptation. Jesus knew the disciples, they weren't quite ready to avoid that temptation yet. They could also easily have been swept up into this idea of making Jesus king, and so Jesus gets the disciples out of there while Jesus sends the crowd home. There's already this religious revival going on that was started by John the Baptist. Jesus identified with that revival, yet the political leader of the day had John arrested and killed. That led to even more division between the political leader, the Herods, and, and John, and John the Baptist and this revival that was taking place. Jesus came for spiritual reasons. And meanwhile, the disciples are there in the boat. Let me, let me have a word of prayer, and then we'll keep moving on here. Dear Lord, we thank you that your word applies to us today. We thank you for your word that is so readily available to us today. Lord, we pray that you would speak through your word, that we could hear from you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him, <sighs> and I'm sure he just shook his head and sighed and said, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed in, back into the boat, the wind stopped. 
Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Jesus said, you think? And uh, after that, they crossed the lake. They landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news came to his arrival and spread quickly the whole area and all this. And, and uh, okay, so we got this storm on the Sea of Galilee, which really isn't that big. How many of you have been to Israel? Anybody been to Israel here? Yeah, it's not that big. We call it a sea. It's, it's, it's a good-sized lake. Uh, and the storm came up, and the weather started getting rough, and the tiny ship was tossed. And they're in this political storm. They're in a religious storm, but they're also in a literal storm. And we spend our lives going through storms, don't we? Some big, some small, but it just, it's called life, isn't it? And it just happens. So what do we need to do when we are hit with these inevitable storms of life? Okay, finally, he's up to the outline here. Okay, finally, number one, we need to remember Jesus brought me here. Jesus brought me here. It, it, this, this storm came up because they were in the will of God. Not because they were outside of God's will. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do, right? Jesus said, get in this boat and go. They did exactly what he said, and the storm came up. Back in Matthew chapter 8, the disciples there in a boat, storm came up, and there's another storm. Storms hit the Sea of Galilee quite a bit. And Jesus was sleeping in the boat. The storm comes up. Jesus calms the storm. In both cases, they're in a storm, and, this is, and they're doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They went exactly where Jesus told them to go, and it didn't work out so great. The Old Testament prophet Jonah Oh my goodness, yeah, two weeks ago we were in Albany and I was preaching in Jonah and uh, talking about the storm with Jonah. And, and Jonah was in a storm, but that was a whole lot different, wasn't it? Those of you Bible scholars here, you remember the story of Jonah. Jonah's running away from God and that's why the storm came up. And Jonah told, you know, God told Jonah, Jonah, I need you to go be a prophet, go be a missionary to Nineveh the capital city of Assyria. They're the bad guys. They don't like you, but I want you to go be a missionary there. And Jonah says, thanks, but no thanks. I'm running the other direction. And the, and the disciples, though, they weren't running from God. They were in a storm, and Jesus put them there. And you know what? They were safer in that storm, in God's will, than they were on land with the crowds outside God's will. Don't judge your security and your standing based on circumstances. I, I talked with a guy just yesterday, and he was struggling and just, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is doors closing. Is this really God's will? Well, you know, sometimes you got to discern that. Is this really something where God is closing doors, or is this something where you need to persevere and keep going? Uh, the disciples, they're, you, you know, they're in the storm. We see in the Scripture there's two different kinds of storms. There's storms of correction, 
where God disciplines us because we're outside of God's will and He's trying to get our attention and get us turned in the right direction. There's storms of correction and there's storms of perfection. There's storms where God helps us grow. Jonah was that storm because he was in disobedience. The disciples were in a storm because they obeyed Jesus. They did exactly what He said and it's not quite working out right now. And their problem was that they needed to grow in their faith. The first time they were in the storm, Jesus was in the boat with them. This time, Jesus is not with them. He says, well, let's see how it goes in the storm, and I'm not with them. And too many Christians have this strange idea that if you just obey God, and you know, you, you, you pray a prayer at camp meeting, and you, you follow Jesus, that everything's going to go right, and it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. But we all know that's not true, right? If you've lived a little bit of life, you know that's not true. Jesus said in John 16.33, in this world you will have trouble. That is one of the most true verses in the Bible, isn't it? In this world, you will have trouble. And when we are doing our best to follow God and we find ourselves in a storm, just remember, He brought us here. And it must be for a reason. And maybe God wants me to grow in some way. He brought me here. He put me here. Number two, Jesus is praying for me. He's praying for me. It says in verse 23, after sending uh, all the people home, Jesus went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was praying there alone. While the disciples were in the storm, Jesus was praying. And he spent hours in prayer. Jesus is praying. He's praying for his followers. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us. Interceding, that's a fancy word. That means praying for us. Tomorrow morning, as we kick off annual conference, I'm doing devotional, and I'm going to talk about uh, John chapter 17. And Jesus, in John chapter 17, He prays for us. Let's, you know, and, and Jesus is God, right? Okay, Jesus is God. Are we agreed to that? Yes. And God is not limited by time or space. Right? He, he created this stuff. And so in John 17, Jesus says, I'm praying for His disciples. He's praying for His followers. And He says, and I'm praying for all who will come to know you because of them. Jesus is praying for us right now. Jesus is praying for us. This is a picture we see in the Scripture. Uh, Jesus, the disciples are in this storm, and it's really just a picture of what is going on at this very moment. The Sea of Galilee, not that big, and uh, it's, it's smaller than, I don't know, Lake Tahoe, I guess. I don't really know lakes that well. Uh, but uh, you can easily see to the other side. And Jesus is on a hill, he's looking down, he's praying, and he can see what's happening on the Sea of Galilee. And right now, just like those disciples, well, we might not be in a boat, but we're in some sort of storm in life, 
we've all got something going on. I like I say, if you're over 40, you got a back that hurts. If you're over 60, you probably have a doctor appointment on the calendar somewhere. I mean, we all have something going on. And and we're in this storm where we are watching the culture shift dramatically during our lifetime. <clears throat> some of this shift is good, but some of it is troubling. And all of the rapid changes make us feel like we're in a storm. We're in a storm of a bad economy, the storm of toxic political atmosphere, and plenty of us have our own storms going on in life. Maybe it's a health situation, relationship situations, work problems, whatever it is. You know, if you knew that Jesus was downstairs in the fellowship hall praying for you, would that give you courage to endure the storm that you're going through right now and to do God's will? Of course it would. He's not in the next room. It's better than that. He is in heaven sitting at the right hand of God the Father praying, interceding for you. He sees your need. He knows your fears. He's in control of the situation. Jesus brought me here. He is praying for me. And number three, Jesus will come to me. He will come to me. This is a story of Jesus coming to meet His followers in the midst of a storm. And a lot of times, we feel like Jesus has deserted us and I have to just figure this out on my own without Him. In the Psalms, there's several Psalms where David prays cranky prayers, which I feel like I do way too often myself. I pray these cranky prayers, and David did that, so I, I, I feel like I can get away with it a little bit anyway. And David complained and says, God, why are you so far away from me? Why am I trying to do the right thing? And those guys over there, they're getting through life just fine, and they don't even care about following you. This isn't fair. And this, why, why isn't this going on? And, and David complains, and that yet then he realized and recognized that that wasn't really reality. He says in Psalm 23, that famous psalm, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not really death. It's just the shadow of death. Would you rather be run over by a truck or the shadow of a truck? Okay, let's just let's get that one figured out here. It's the shadow of death. Jesus comes to us in the storms of life. God is reliable that way. He's kind of the hero of the story that way. We see this in the Old Testament. It says in Isaiah 43, verse 2, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Now, Jesus doesn't always come on our schedule, does he? He doesn't come on my schedule because I, I find that I'm a whole lot more impatient than he is. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I don't have as much patience as Jesus does. And there are times when I would have a much different timeline where I think things should happen, but I'm pretty sure that I'm a whole lot more nervous and worry a whole lot more than Jesus does. 
Jesus knows exactly what needs to happen, and he always comes exactly at the right time. Here in Matthew 14, he waited until the boat was in about the middle of the Sea of Galilee. The situation is at its worst. The disciples are tired. They feel like this is it. They're not going to make it. We've got some guys on this boat that are fishermen. They've been on this. this it's their boat. This is not new to them, and they're in a panic. And Jesus was testing their faith, which meant removing all of the human sense of security. And then we have this miracle of Jesus walking on the water. And my biggest question is, why in the world did he do that? Why did he do that? I mean, other than it being super cool and walking on water, I mean, why did he do He could have just appeared in the boat with the guys. But why does he walk on the water to get to them? He walked on the water because the thing they feared the most at that time, that drowning in this lake, that thing they feared the most, the storm and drowning was the pathway for Jesus to come to them. So often we fear the difficult experiences of life, like a surgery, like a death of a loved one, like a divorce, like just all kinds of struggles. We fear those things only to find out that those were the times that we got closer to Jesus. Yeah. And here comes Jesus. He's walking on the water. And how did the disciples react? They got even more terrified, didn't they? They weren't like, yay, Jesus has come. No, now they're in a bigger panic. And I don't blame them because they're in a terrible storm. They're trying to stay alive. And all of a sudden, someone's walking on the water. This is not normal. And it says in verse 26, they thought it was a ghost. They didn't recognize Jesus. I mean... They all knew who he was, right? They hang out with him. They knew exactly who he was. They had seen him just a few hours earlier. And why didn't they recognize him? Because they weren't looking for him, right? They weren't expecting him. My wife scares me around the house constantly uh, because she's places I don't expect her to be. And then she says the most terrifying things to me, like, hey, Brian, uh, and where you're like, you weren't supposed to be there. I thought you were over in that room. They, they didn't expect him to do that. They had just witnessed the greatest miracle ever. Just a few hours earlier. This, they, yet they were, they were not living by faith. They were living by their fears. And what happens? I mean, we, we, we fear always blinds us to the presence of Jesus. You know, the 5,000 people, and a lot more than that, thousands of people, Jesus fed them this important miracle that's in all four of the Gospels. They didn't recognize Jesus for who He really was. They were looking to Him to be a political leader who would just give them free food. They, were, they weren't looking for a Messiah and the same is true for Jesus in the storm. But how, 
how do we how do how do we know in the middle of that that Jesus is really with us? It says in God's word, Jesus will come to you. Jesus came to the disciples on the very pathway of the thing they feared the most. He will come to you. Number four, Jesus will help me grow. He will help me grow. This was the whole purpose of the storm. It was to help the disciples grow in their faith. One day, Jesus was going to leave these guys, and they would face some difficult storms as they were leading the early church. Uh, They had to learn how to trust Him, even though it looked like Jesus wasn't there and didn't care. Unlike the Gospels of John and Mark, here in Matthew it records the incident of Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water. And Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, ask me to join you. And Jesus says, come on down. You're the next contestant on. Let's walk on water today. And Peter goes out there. He starts sinking. We don't blame him too much because the other disciples, they're still in the boat. And Peter got out there and then he started thinking about how maybe this isn't the best idea. And he starts to sink. And Peter prays the greatest prayer in the Bible, doesn't he? This is a really great prayer that applies to most every situation. He prays, Lord, save me. That's a really good prayer. That's the best prayer we can pray many times when we don't know how to pray. And of course, Jesus helps him. He's always willing to answer that prayer. There's a song that came out several years ago. It was pretty popular there for a while. The song Oceans. And, and, and that song, oh, it, it talks about, it refers to this time with Peter. Uh, that song, maybe you've heard it before. It's just, you call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And there I find in you the mystery. In oceans deep, my faith will stand. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Ooh. How many of you trust Jesus, but only within these borders? (laughs) I'm going to trust you, but, well, that's kind of craziness to trust you out there. No, 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 I'll trust you within these borders. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. The storms of life aren't easy, but they are necessary. They teach us to trust in Jesus and Him alone and to obey His Word no matter what the circumstances may be. We sang the song earlier, what? Christ alone, cornerstone. He will help me grow. And the last one, number five, Jesus will see me through. He'll see me through to the other side. Peter's experience turned out to be a blessing to the other disciples as well as to himself. And Jesus gets in the boat with them. The storm immediately goes away, just like it did earlier in chapter 8. And the result is the disciples worship Jesus. And they said, you really are the Son of God. There's that that point in the Scriptures where it says, you know, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. 
Oh, we live in that way too often, don't we? And the disciples were there too. Oh, we, they believed Him enough to follow Him, but now they say, no, we really believe You are the Son of God. And yet, as you continue to read the Gospels, they still kept going up and down, didn't they? They should have known this already. I mean, just hours earlier, they watched Jesus do this miracle. They had seen people. They had seen Jesus heal people. They were even involved in the feeding of the 5,000. But God allowed this storm to come up into their lives to help them grow. They needed this. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, it says the church in Jerusalem grew to about 5,000 people. Again, there's that 5,000 number again. And that's when the storm of persecution began. This was all while Peter and Andrew and James and John, Philip and Matthew, you know, I'm sure they're remembering back, hey, I remember that time when we were in the storm and Jesus came to us and He's going to come to us again. You look back on those times when life was rough. Jesus came to you. And He'll come to you again. And Jesus will bring you through. Just know that when you're doing your best to follow Jesus and a storm comes up, that doesn't mean that everything's just gone, gone crazy and you need to panic. He brought you to this storm. And know that Jesus is praying for you. He is praying for you. He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father praying for you. And He's going to come to you in His timing. He's going to help you grow. And He's going to see you safely to the other side. So, today are we going to trust in Jesus? Are we really going to trust in Him? I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to, then we're going to um, have a little bit more worship here and close out the service. Lord God, I pray that you bless my friends here today. Lord, I don't know what everybody's going through here today, but you do. I don't know what struggles they've got going on, but you do. Lord, you know everything about us. Lord, help us to live in faith and trust in You through the storms of life, knowing that You are there praying for us, that You'll come to us and You'll see us through to the other side. Lord, help us to grow closer and closer to You every day. I pray for those here today that are in the midst of a storm and are struggling mightily. Lord, I pray that You would speak to them. Help them to renew their faith and trust in You today. Help us to continue to say yes to You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.